0: Um, but right now we're going to read from the Bible, which we hold as the the Word of God Himself. So, if you want to bring out your um, your Bibles or your phones and flip out to Jonah three, at the very end, starting at verse ten, and then we're going to read through to the end of chapter four. So, Jonah three, verse ten. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, He relented. And did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seems very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. Slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord... Take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there were more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Nice to see you all. My name is Derek, if I haven't met you yet, and with my wife Anna and our kids, we've been at this church for a couple of years now. And I got a phone call from Jez the other day. Jez had come down, sick. Uh, Jacob, uh, associate pastor, likewise, uh, could I preach? So I asked Jez, what would be good to preach about? And he said, well, we're coming up in a season in our church where there's some great opportunities to be sharing the good news with people around us, we've got some Easter services coming. Uh, that's an awesome time to invite someone to hear the message of the of the good news. Uh, and after that, we'll be running an Alpha course. Uh, so why not do something related to mission? Um, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to, uh, like Rob said, we're parking the Matthew series for one week, uh, and we're going to just. Uh, do something completely different. Well, it's not really completely different, it's quite related, but we're going we're to jump back in the Bible to the book of Jonah and uh, be thinking about this issue of mission, of sharing the good news with others. Uh, here at City Light Church, we've been doing Matthew for, for a good while. Um, let's not forget how the book of Matthew ends. So As we work our way through Matthew, we're learning all that Jesus does, all that Jesus teaches, and eventually we're going to see what um, his death on the cross and resurrection. Let's not forget how the book of Matthew ends. The book of Matthew ends with Jesus saying, pass it on. Share this good news with the world. Make disciples, that is, followers of Jesus. Make disciples of all nations. Tell them, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And so that, that ending of the book of Matthew, which is Uh, Where where we're heading in this series, it captures something that's really central uh, to our faith as followers of Jesus, and that is that we, in the message of Jesus, we have something so good uh, that it needs to be shared, something so wonderful, such good news uh, that the whole world needs to know about it, and that's what we're called to do, that's what we're commanded to do by Jesus, is share that good news. If you're visiting today, if you're someone who is not yet a follower of Jesus, not, wouldn't call yourself a Christian, uh, that's really important for you to know that uh, about us as a church and what we believe. And that is that we, we believe that in, in Jesus and the message of Jesus, we have something that is so good uh, that we want you to know about it too. We want to share it with you. And we'd love to talk with you and, and introduce you to courses and things where you can do that more. So, today is going to be a bit like a mission health check. As we think about this task Jesus has commanded us to do, share the good news uh, with people around us, it's a bit of a mission health check leading into Easter as we think about how we're going with that. And the specific question I want to start with this morning is, do you think there's something that might stop you from doing mission? from sharing the good news, from inviting a friend to Easter, to Alpha, uh, to going and meeting people that you've never met before who might not know about Jesus and finding ways to share the good news with them? Is there something that might stop us from doing that? See, according to the book of Jonah, there is something that might stop us from doing that. There is just such a problem which could stop us from carrying out this precious, important, eternally meaningful task of sharing the good news with others. And so if you and I are going to take this command from Jesus seriously, this command to make disciples, to tell others the good news, uh, the book of Jonah is a really important book for us because it tells us about this problem and it also helps us with this problem. So let's get our heads into the book of Jonah. We've been in the world of Jesus, we need to go back another 700 years Uh, earlier to the time of Jonah. And at this point in the Bible's storyline, the people of God is the nation of Israel. Now, if we're going to understand the book of Jonah, we really need to understand that the, the nation of Israel had basically been given the same task as we, followers of Jesus, have been given today, and that is to share the good news of God's blessing for the world, God's plan for the world to bless the world, to share that with the world. That was the task that God had given Israel. They were to be a channel of blessing, they were to be a light to the Gentiles, a light to the nations. So they were supposed to be on mission too, just as we are supposed to be on mission now. But the problem is, at the time that the book of Jonah is being written, the problem is they're not. They're not on mission. Uh, they're not doing this task that God has given them. They're not being a light to the nations, a blessing to the nations. So if they were, if they were to be given this mission health check at the time, they would come up with a, with a very big fail. And that's really why the book of Jonah is written. It's written as a rebuke to the people of Israel way back then. It's shining a spotlight on something which is stopping them. Something which is stopping the people of Israel from carrying out this mission that God has given them. And the problem is a heart problem, as Rob said before. It's a heart problem, a heart condition. It's a problem which is stopping them from carrying out this missional task. And as we'll see as we think through this heart condition this morning, it's a problem which, if we have too, it's going to stop us from carrying out the task that God has given us. Reading the book of Jonah is a bit like a trip to the doctor. And we're going to read the book now, we're going to skim through the first part and slow down for the last section. We're going to see three things about Jonah's heart condition. We're going to see the symptoms, we're going to see the diagnosis, and then we're going to see the treatment. Symptoms, diagnosis, treatment. Let's go to the doctor's surgery and have a look now. So we'll start with the symptoms. We'll, we'll race our way through Jonah 1 to 3 just to see the, the symptoms. I'm pretty sure most of us will have come across this story before. You'll, these, um if you did Sunday school as a kid, you certainly would, have, would know these, uh, the events of Jonah's, the first part of Jonah pretty well. Jonah is commanded to go to Nineveh and to preach to them. Now, don't forget, Jonah, he's an Israelite, so as an Israelite, it's his mission to be a light to the nations, to bring God's good news, God's blessing to the nations. So this is a chance for Jonah to be what he's commanded to be, right? This is... This is his moment uh, to be that missional person, that missionary to the nations that he's been called to be. What does he do? You all remember what he does? He runs in the opposite direction. Why does he do that? Why is Jonah so anti-mission? Well, as we read through in Jonah 1, it doesn't actually say, it doesn't say why Jonah ran, it just says that he ran. But most of us, if we're reading Jonah for the first time, we probably figure that he's scared. Particularly if we were reading Jonah for the first time back then, because everyone knew back then that the Ninevites were scary people, they were violent people, they were the terrorists of, of their day. The Israelites saw them as their enemies. And so it would be a fair assumption that Jonah's told to go to this this big scary enemy city and preach about God. It's a fair assumption that he's scared and that's why he runs away. It's a fair assumption that he thinks that these famously cruel and violent people are going to be famously cruel and violent to him. So he doesn't want any of that and runs away. So that's probably what we think as we're reading chapter 1 for the first time. What makes Jonah, what stops Jonah from carrying out his missional task is fear. But as we read on, we find out it's actually not. That's not the problem that's stopping him from carrying out mission. Actually, it's something deeper. It's something more serious. It's a heart problem. We'll find out more about what the heart problem is as we keep reading. But for now, we can see the symptoms, right? We're doing this health check on Jonah. We can see the symptoms. He's running away from the missional task that God has given him. He's running in the opposite direction. Let's keep going with the story to see what happens next. Jonah flees. He finds out that you can't flee God. Uh, God sends a storm and Jonah ends up in the sea. And then God graciously rescues Jonah, doesn't he? With this large fish and Jonah gets... From inside the the fish, Jonah prays. And then Jonah gets vomited up onto dry land. Uh, And then God commands Jonah for a second time. Go and preach to the Ninevites so the second time we've got this reluctant missionary Jonah he obeys the second time he goes to Nineveh and he preaches now if you know the story how would you rate Jonah's success as a missionary do you remember the story in chapter three goes to Nineveh he preaches how would you rate his success spectacular isn't it it's spectacular Uh, Our family used to be cross-cultural missionaries uh, in Southeast Asia. I would be so jealous of what happened here with Jonah. It says in chapter 3 that the whole city heard his message, repented and turned before God. Have a look um, at chapter 3 verse 9 if you've got your Bibles or your phones open there. Chapter 3 verse 9. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. The Ninevites are acknowledging their sin. They're throwing themselves at God's feet and asking for mercy. This is amazing. And then sure enough, in the next verse, God does just that. He forgives them. He shows them mercy. When God saw, verse 10, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Wow, and that could be a really good place to finish the book, really, couldn't it? Jonah's learnt to become a missionary. He's succeeded in becoming a missionary. The whole city has repented and come, uh, turned from their sin. And that could be the end of the book. But actually, that's just the introduction to the book. And what's really going on in the book is what happens in Chapter 4. And in most of the kids' Bibles, this is the bit that gets chopped out, but this is the bit that we're going to focus on this morning because it's in Chapter 4 that we find out uh, what's really going on, what's really the nature of Jonah's heart problem, the real reason why he didn't want to do mission. And it could be the the thing that stops God's people everywhere from doing mission if they share the same heart problem that Jonah has. So up to this point, we've seen the symptoms, haven't we? We've seen the symptoms of the problem. He's given this mission task and he runs in the other direction. That's the symptoms now it's time to see the diagnosis here we are in the doctor's surgery it's time for the diagnosis what is the diagnosis let's have a look chapter 4 verse 1 we'll we'll read from there so if you've got your bibles open please follow along with me chapter 4 verse 1 but to jonah this that is god's forgiveness of them this seemed very wrong and he became angry now, running right through this chapter, this is something I want you to notice, running right through this chapter, there's lots of contrasts between Jonah and God. So just follow those contrasts as we read this. First of all, with angry. Okay, both God and Jonah have anger running through this section. but this, this anger is going in very different directions. Back in chapter 3, verse 9, it said God turned from his fierce anger. Chapter 4, verse 1, Jonah, he's becoming angry. Now, what is it that has made Jonah angry? It's God's grace. That's what's made Jonah angry. It's God's grace. From verse 2, I'll read from verse 2. He, that is Jonah, prayed to the Lord, "'Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home?' This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. What is it that's made Jonah so angry that he wants to die? It's God's grace. God's grace To Jonah's enemy. Verse 2 is a really important verse for us. It's in verse 2 of chapter 4 that we finally discover what's going on in the book of Jonah. We finally discover why it is that Jonah, way back in chapter 1, fled. Chapter 1, we might have thought he fled because he was afraid. Afraid that these violent people would be violent towards him. We thought he fled because he was afraid that he'd fail as a missionary. But actually, why did he flee? He fled because he was afraid he would succeed as a missionary. So he knew God's character. He knew God's heart. In verse 2, he has a beautiful theology, a beautiful description of what God is like. He says, God is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, relents from sending calamity. He knew that's what God is like and he didn't want God to be those things to the Ninevites, to his enemies, to others. So he knew that if he preached the message from God to the Ninevites, there was a chance that they would hear and repent. And if, he did, if they did that, that this gracious, compassionate, slow-to-anger God would probably show them grace and compassion and forgiveness. And that was the last thing that Jonah wanted You see, Jonah didn't flee because he was afraid he'd be a failure as a missionary. He fled because he was afraid he'd succeed. Verse 3, it says he'd rather die than see his enemies receive God's forgiveness. So do you see now what the problem here, the, the diagnosis of Jonah's heart condition? It's a heart that lacks love. For the lost the lost being anyone who's outside of relationship with God, anyone who doesn't yet know God, that's the diagnosis of Jonah 's heart. It's a heart that lacks love for the lost. So when we were serving as missionaries in Southeast Asia, I taught at a Bible college, and one of the subjects I taught was a certain part of the Old Testament, including the Book of Jonah. So I used to teach this book. Each year in in Southeast Asia, and when I uh, when we worked our way through the Book of Jonah and was trying to explain the the context so people would understand who Nineveh was and all of that, I said Nineveh uh, for Jonah was a bit like Aceh might be for people here in Southeast Asia. So if you don't know Aceh, it's a fundamentalist Muslim province of Indonesia. Where they are aggressively anti-Christian, so if missionaries go there, they might get attacked. Uh, there, are few, there are not many churches in the province, but those that are have been bombed and been threatened. And Southeast Asian Christians are generally very scared of the whole, the whole place. So I explained that as we worked our way through the Book of Jonah in the classroom. I said so. When you hear Nineveh, think something like Arche. And then we read chapter one, and we saw how Jonah fled, and I said, why do you think Jonah's fleeing? And everyone agreed, it's because he's scared. We would be too if we had to go uh, to Arche. But then we kept working our way through the book, and then we got to chapter four, and we discovered that it wasn't so much that Jonah feared the Ninevites as that Jonah just didn't want the Ninevites to be saved. And then I asked the class, what about us? What might stop us from going to Arche to preach the good news there? Is it fear? Fear that we're afraid of them? Or is it that deep down we don't really want them? We don't really want the people of Aceh to be saved? And there was a long silence when I asked that question in the class. And eventually one student said, it's probably both. And I want to ask you the same question this morning. What might stop you from sharing the good news? From telling a neighbour? From inviting someone from your family to an Easter service? From inviting someone from your work to an Alpha course? What might stop you from leaving Sydney and going to a country where there's almost no people who know about the good news, what might stop you? Is it just fear, fear of being awkward or embarrassed or, or is it more than that? Is it that deep down you don't particularly want lost people to be saved? Deep down, don't really think they deserve it. Deep down, don't really care if the lost are saved or not? That's a really uncomfortable question, isn't it? But that's the question that the book of Jonah asks each one of us. Do we have the same heart condition that Jonah has, a heart which lacks love for the lost? So, I said before, reading the Book of Jonah, it's like a trip to the doctor. So far, we've had the symptoms, that is, Jonah flees when he's called to do mission, and we've just seen the diagnosis, that is, a heart that lacks love for the lost. But the good news is, there's also a treatment, and that's where the Book of Jonah ends. How is this heart condition cured? Well, in the final verses, verses four to 11 of chapter four, God actually initiates a treatment plan. And God knows that for this treatment to be effective, that his patient needs to actually understand what the problem is. So that's what God sets about doing. He uses a leafy plant, he uses a worm, he uses a hot day to teach Jonah a lesson, to help Jonah understand His heart condition let's have a look at that so we've already seen that Jonah is angry that God has forgiven the Ninevites well in verse 4 God asks Jonah a question about that verse 4 God says is it right for you to be angry is that the right response Jonah asks God and what does Jonah say in response he does what we all do when we know that we're in the wrong, and he just stays silent. <laughs> doesn't answer at all. But why is Jonah's response wrong? I mean, after all, the Ninevites—they were a really wicked people. I mean, there are—if you do research on the Ninevites, you—you'll you'll see that they committed atrocities against the surrounding nations, including against Israelites. They used to get the heads of their defeated enemies and they'd stick them on spears on the city walls just to show how fierce they were. I mean, you can kind of understand it from Jonah's point of view, can't you? (laughs) Why shouldn't Jonah be outraged that God just let them all off, forgave them all? Well, God calls in a few teaching aids to help Jonah and to help us understand why that is. Verse 5. It says, Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There, he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. See, Jonah still seems to be hoping that God will judge them. (laughs) He goes out of the city, sits on the side of a hill, looks down on the city, and he's just kind of hoping that God will change his mind, and they'll get the judgment that they deserve. So there he is, he's set up his camp, He's watching and he's waiting, but it's a really hot day and there's no trees for shade and he has to put together a bit of a makeshift shelter and this is where God takes his opportunity, verse 6. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. So Jonah's problem was he was too hot, and then God does something gracious. In his grace, God gives Jonah something that he didn't deserve, he didn't earn. He gives him a plant for shade. This is the same God who, in his grace, had already sent a fish to rescue Jonah when he was about to drown. This is the same God who, in his grace, had relented from bringing the destruction that he'd planned on the Ninevites. This same God now, in his grace, sends a plant to ease Jonah's discomfort. How does Jonah feel about this? How does Jonah feel about God's grace? It says at the end of verse 6, Jonah was very happy about the plant. See, if grace from God comes in the form of shade for Jonah, Jonah loves God's grace. But the lesson is only half finished. The lesson continues. Verse seven, have a look with me. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. See, now the same God who provided the plant provides a worm to kill it and a scorchingly hot day. And what does this mean for Jonah? It means sunstroke for Jonah. How does Jonah feel about this? End of verse 8, have a look with me. He wanted to die. And said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Now you might be thinking by now, oh good old Jonah, every time he gets upset he says he wants to die. But let's notice the two times he said this and see that a bit of a contrast is at play. See back in verse 3, he was so angry he wanted to die because of what? Because of God, God had shown grace. Now he's so angry he wants to die again, but this time because of what? Because God has withdrawn grace. Do you see the problem? The problem is that Jonah is inconsistent in his attitude to God's grace. That's the problem. And that's what God's next question is designed to bring out. God's a very gentle and patient teacher here. (laughs) Verse 9. God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Once again, there's a contrast going on. God is basically asking the same question that he asked back in verse 3. In verse 3, the question was Is it right for you to be angry about me showing grace to the Ninevites? And now the question is Is it right for you to be angry about the plant, about my removal of grace? You see Jonah's problem here, it's his heart. It's his heart towards God's grace. It's inconsistent, it's contradictory. Is Jonah for God's grace or is Jonah against God's grace? Well, when it's directed towards him, he's for it, isn't it? If, if, If God's grace comes in the form of a fish to save him from drowning, if it comes in the form of a plant to save him from sunstroke, Jonah is all for God's grace. But when it's directed towards others if it's God forgiving the Ninevites, he's completely against it. See, Jonah's heart towards God's grace is inconsistent. And it's the same with God, his heart towards God's judgment, isn't it? Is Jonah for God's judgment or is Jonah against God's judgment? Well, when it's directed against him, he's firmly against it. When God kills that plant and sends that scorching wind, Jonah is so angry he wants to die. But when it's directed towards the Ninevites, Jonah is 100% for God's judgment. He's sitting there on that hillside just hoping it's going to happen. And this is what the lesson that God has given, the lesson with the plant and the worm, it's what it's designed to highlight. Jonah wants grace for himself, but he wants judgment for others. And the problem with that, to use God's words, is, is it's not right. It is not right god's two questions is it right for you to be angry is it right and the answer of course is no it's it's not right jonah can't be a person we can't be people who want to receive god's grace for ourselves but not want it for others refuse to give it to others we can't be like that we can't want god's compassion for us but not for ourselves to use god's words it's not right But that's exactly what Jonah was like. And the book of Jonah was written as a rebuke to Israel at the time because that's exactly what Israel, God's people at the time, were like. And the question which the book of Jonah asks us is, is that what we're like now? Do we rejoice in God's grace and compassion to us but be indifferent to whether others have the chance to receive it? And I have to be honest with you and say that by myself, in my own sinful nature, my heart is no different from Jonah's. And I suspect the same is true for you too. See, for all of us, without a work of God in our heart, we will have the same heart as Jonah. We want God's grace for us, but we can be indifferent as to whether others get it but the good news is that we don't have to stay like that we don't have to stay like that see God is not just showing Jonah what his heart is like in order to condemn him God is showing Jonah what his heart is like as part of his treatment plan God has something better in mind for us God has a plan to renew our heart to change our heart. And God finishes uh, the book of Jonah, the book of Jonah finishes with God revealing a better way, God revealing his own heart, God's heart for the lost. And the good news is that with the spirit of God in us, we can say goodbye to a Jonah-type heart and we can have God's heart. We can learn to have God's heart for the lost. So now that God has shown Jonah what, that his heart is inconsistent and not right, God shows Jonah and us this better way. Let's have a look at in the last, last two verses of the book. The better way, God's heart. Verse 11. The Lord said, You've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals. God's heart in these two verses is concern, is love for the lost. When Jonah sees the lost, he sees people who are reprehensible and evil and he wants them to get what they deserve. When God sees the lost, the same lost, he sees that there's problems. He sees the evil. He says they can't tell their right hand from the left. But that drives him to compassion. That drives him to, 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 to give them a chance to repent, to send them a prophet so they might repent and receive forgiveness. Once again, God, there's, a, there's a contrast going on. The word concern helps us to see that. Jonah's got a concern. Verse 10, what's Jonah concerned about? He's concerned about the plant, which basically means he's concerned about himself. God's got a concern in verse 11. What's God concerned about? He's concerned for those who are facing judgment. And these two concerns lead to two very different ways uh, of responding to the lost. Jonah just wants them to get what they deserve. God wants them to receive forgiveness and compassion. That is God's heart. Concern for the lost, love for the lost. And that is God's treatment plan for Jonah, for Israel, for us. So he shows us his heart, a heart that loves the lost. He shows us this heart that we might learn to have hearts like his. That's his treatment plan. What do you think about the ending to the book of Jonah. A little bit abrupt. <laughs> do you find yourself wondering, well, did Jonah learn the lesson? He just had this wonderful acted out lesson from God, uh, a treatment plan to change his heart. Did, did Jonah learn the lesson and learn to love the Ninevites or, or not? We don't actually know. Isn't that frustrating? <laughs> what do you think happened? Do you think the author just sort of ran out of steam? Oh, I've been writing for ages and just put the book down. I think it's a deliberate technique from the author. There's this unfinished story and it's got us wondering and maybe it asks us a question. What will be our response? Will we learn the lesson that Jonah was taught to learn? What will be our heart for the lost? So if that's the case, I, I want to finish with one, one thing. I mean, one thing to those of you who, who wouldn't yet call yourself Christians uh, and one thing to those who would. Firstly, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you don't call yourself a Christian, I just want you to see in today's story uh, what God's heart is to you. God's heart is to have a relationship with you. It's to call you to know him. And we at this church would love to help you on that path. If you are a follower of Jesus, the book of Jonah for us this morning has been a bit of a mission health check. It's been this trip to the doctor where we've we've observed Jonah's heart and we've had a chance to reflect on ours. And I suspect if many of us are being honest, we will at least find traces of Jonah's heart in our heart. But the good news is we've seen the treatment plan. The treatment plan is that God is in the business of changing our hearts by showing us His. And so my very simple application for us this week as we lead up towards easter in a couple of weeks and then alpha after that is to spend time dwelling on god's heart that's a very simple application i want to suggest for us let's spend time dwelling on god's heart for the lost think about it as 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 we can see it here in the book of jonah think about god's heart right throughout the bible meditate on it meditate on its most full expression in jesus If you want to see the full expression of God's heart for the lost, look at Jesus. In his death and resurrection, which we'll be celebrating in coming weeks, we see God's heart for the lost, where God would give himself for us. Lost us. See, that's God's heart. Spectacularly, beautifully on display in the book of Jonah, beautifully on display in the death of Jesus. Let's meditate on that. And as we do that, God will be in the business of changing our heart to make it more and more like his, more and more full of love for the lost, the kind of love that leads us to action. Let's pray. Dear loving Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your heart of compassion and grace and that you've shown that to us. Thank you for demonstrating your love for the lost most wonderfully in sending Jesus to die for us. You've called us to share the good news with others. And we can see that having a heart like Jonah's will stop us from doing that. Please give us your heart for the lost. We pray that their lostness will be our concern just as it is your concern. We pray that as we meditate on your grace to us, that our hearts will soften more and more and we'll, we'll want the same thing for them. Give us a heart that longs for them to have a chance to hear the good news, to repent and to believe. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.